Welcome to the Consciouspreneur Podcast, where we discuss and apply the principles of mindset, leadership, and business building strategies that align with our purpose, honor the people we work with, and generate a sustainable profit. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Consciouspreneur uh, Podcast. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, and today we are speaking with Gerard Carpenter. Gerard is a qualified CPA in Ireland for 42 years and has also graduated as an email marketing specialist with the EP, mm, EPC Institute. Institute. Yep. Okay. Uh, he specializes in finance and marketing with 49 plus years of experience in a variety of business development roles. He has worked on assignments in the United Kingdom, Ireland, Germany, Botswana, and has developed a keen understanding of the complex issues facing small businesses in the type of volatile economy that we're facing today. Gerard, I'm really happy to be spending time with you this morning. Thank you, Mary. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you again. Thank you. Absolutely. So Gerard and I had an opportunity to work together for a little bit. Um, he actually coached me for almost a year, I think, and uh, helped me move along. So it's really an honor for me to be having this conversation with you because I feel like I've learned so much from you. And I'm happy to be able to share some of these learnings with this audience. You're welcome, Mary. Most welcome. Thank you. Awesome. Well, let's start to get to know you a little bit, Gerard. Tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Were you always going to be an entrepreneur or is this something you stumbled into? It's something I stumbled into, I guess. Uh, if I go way back uh, 49 years to when I first started work, uh, you know, I came from a humble background back in Dublin. My parents didn't have the money to put me through university. Uh, and I got a job in an office with uh, through a friend of the family. Uh, and he suggested I study accounting. Uh, and in those days, I was able to uh, study accounting at nighttime after a day's work. Okay. So I, I did that over the next three to four years. Uh, and I progressed uh, to uh, senior roles during that time at work. Uh, I worked uh, with an investment bank back in Dublin at the time. Uh, and then again, those those promotions got in the way uh, of uh, my qualification. Uh, and because of that, then uh, it was a few years later, 1980, to be precise, when I actually qualified as an accountant. Okay. Uh, but then I was building up a lot of the experience uh, within the bank. Uh, and in those days, we didn't have computers. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's hard to believe that that's, that that's even possible anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. In those days, we had... Uh, it was like a glorified typewriter. We, it was a Nixdorf accounting machine. Uh, and you, you had ledgers, uh, hand, uh, crafted ledgers, uh, which, uh, all of the accounting records, the debtors and the creditors were all kept on. Uh, in the mid eighties, though, in the mid 1980s, the bank introduced uh, an IBM mainframe 4600, I think it was a 43 or 4600 computer. Uh, and I was heavily involved in, uh, implementing, uh, the, higher purchase and leasing systems and the loan systems uh, uh, for the bank. Uh, and it was during that time that I, I developed, developed a liking for systems and systems implementations. Um, and then in the late 1980s, I decided to take off after 12 years in the bank, I decided to take off and headed to London. And I spent the last 34, 35 years here in London uh, from 1987, late 87 onwards. Um, 
Now, I've worked in a variety of roles, a variety of systems-related roles. I tended to specialize in systems. Uh, I came here as a systems controller. So I really got out of financial accounting at a much uh, earlier stage. I did actually, in the early 1990s, go back into f- financial accounting as a finance director. I didn't really like it. Uh, I felt it was too lonely being at the top. I realized my strength was being a number two. I was very good at supporting other people rather than being the go-to guy myself. And and that's what I've done really since. Uh, I've become really proficient and very good at helping other people uh, build uh, their businesses. So tell me about systems. Um, what was it about systems that was so attractive to you? Well, I think... I found myself really uh, more of a generalist. uh, And because of that, uh, I actually developed uh, um, a knack of uh, finding solutions to problems. Uh, I was very analytical, but I was very, very much process driven. And and what I liked about implementing uh, ERP financial systems was that it was very structured. uh, And I got to uh, assist in designing uh, business processes for, for businesses. Uh, and also in helping uh, end users uh, in terms of uh, their processes, uh, financial and business processes, and uh, documenting uh, procedures, for example, uh, uh, for uh, daily operations. Uh, So I just developed the flair for that. uh, And that flair led me to uh, leading teams of uh, 30 and 14 people, a mixture of staff and external and internal consultants uh, on on different projects. Uh, And that happened um, that happened uh, after really both before and after I, I got an opportunity to go to Botswana for a six month spell where I got my first taste of consultancy uh, working for the bank that I had worked for in Dublin. It came, be, came in between uh, uh, work assignments here in the UK and uh, I enjoyed that so much uh, and I think it was there that I realized that I had a, a flair for, uh, you know, potential uh, working in a, a consultancy uh, assignment uh, as, as I got older, as a management consultant, I had focused my attention on. But in, in my 40s, it wasn't the right time for me. Uh, and I rather liked uh, just picking up more and more experience as I went through the 1990s. So you're specializing in systems and as a consultant, is that the expertise that you were bringing uh, to the project? Was your systems mindset? It was. It was. And and finding solutions to problems. Uh, Very, very pragmatic approach to uh, uh, finding solutions uh, to everyday uh, back office uh, functions uh, to find solutions to problems so that the business could function uh, in in a satisfactory way. and comply with internal controls uh, and so on. I I just have this sense that you are one of these people that just loves to see things like a cl- working like a clock. That's the image that just popped into my head is just seeing how the cogs and and everything uh, is interdependent and one thing is leading to another thing. Is that a fair description? Well, it is. Uh, I'm a perfectionist, unfortunately, and I suffer uh, because of that perfectionism. Uh, but systems, implementing systems have taught me not to be uh, 100% perfect because you go live with uh, systems, not when you're 100%. You never reach 100%. You go live when, and you don't want to apply the 80-20 rule, which I also live by. You go live with systems when you're 90% there. 
You've got to be over that 90% in order to avoid a trail of destruction after you roll out the system. Wow. Yeah, well, that's okay. So it's one thing to have a system. It's another thing to um, roll it out at the right time, at the right level of readiness. Because you're right. I mean, what system is ever completely written in stone? Because circumstances change, correct? Yeah, they do indeed. Uh, and business evolves. And um, and that's exactly what happened with me, even uh, career-wise. You know, you evolve. Um, I actually... Um, implemented uh, SAP, an ERP system, uh, uh, led a team of 14 people, including consultants to implement. Uh, it's, a, it's an acronym for a German, uh, I don't uh, know, everybody knows it as SAP. It's the equivalent of Oracle here in Europe. You've heard of Oracle, I guess, in, in, in America, but in, in Europe, uh, SAP is the big German ERP rival uh, to Oracle. Uh, and most uh, large corporations, you'll find either Oracle or SAP in most of them. Uh, and some of both as well. Uh, but SAP, it was uh, that implementation, uh, again, that was a success. And following that implementation, I became service to requirements in, in that business. And I ended up uh, through the business being loaned out on a secondment to a UK government department. Uh, department uh, for business, would you believe? And I spent, uh, I spent initially, I spent four years down there uh, as a seconded consultant, uh, and I helped them uh, perfect their accounting systems and uh, internal uh, systems. And I then left the company be uh, because uh, I was asked to go back and, and work. Uh, in, in uh, this, you know, about two hours away from where I was living. I left the company. I en ended up setting up my own, uh, went self-employed, and I ended up working for the department direct uh, as a self-employed contractor for a few more years. They they wanted me to stay on. Uh, the company wanted me to go back, and uh, I came to an arrangement with both parties to, to uh, go solo. And that was at the age of 53. So I was realizing then while I... Uh, had a few years earlier always wanted to do and that was to go my own way it was sort of like a halfway house to having your own business because uh, i was a self-employed contractor but i was relying on recruiting agencies to bring me um to bring me uh, the contracts and, and that, that in itself became a frustration uh, really because uh, you know, when I hit 60 or so, it became more difficult to get contracts. Uh, and I was getting contracts on systems roles in the private sector and on business development roles in the public sector with UK government departments. I was uh, almost like toggling between uh, one and the other. Huh. But I, was I, enjoyed, there... I enjoyed what I was doing uh, as a project accountant. Uh, but once I turned 60 then... I started to think about the rest of my life. Um, and I decided I wanted to live to be 100, God willing. Um, and over the next two years, then I started to, uh, because work was uh, slowly happening, I went, you know, ha having been in permanent employment for 40 years, over 40 years continuously, I spent almost 18 months without a contract. And, and it was very tough. And I decided that something had to change. 
And then no sooner did I get another contract uh, with a central government department, then at that time I was actually looking into uh, uh, building a business elsewhere. And I hung out for three to four years in the background with uh, digital and internet marketers, uh, some of the more famous people on the planet as well. And while I was in that space learning from them, uh, I was looking for a business model, but I decided that I couldn't find anything that I could become passionate about because one of the key factors for success for me is that if you build your own business, I want to get up every morning and become passionate about it. And as I got older, I decided I don't want to retire. I want to um, always work because, uh, but in a reduced capacity. I don't want to, like the projects were sucking the, the living daylight out of me. And I was working nine, 10 hour days and more. And I didn't want that either because I realized it would burn out by the time I'm 70. So I looked for, I was looking in a different space. When I was 62, I decided let's create a 40 year vision to help me on my way. I decided I would wanted to live to be 102. And uh, let's start now today planning for that in, in three year cycles. And I was a year into the cycle when on a marketing cruise uh, uh, in just two weeks before COVID, came along uh yeah or oh, two months before COVID came along in january 20. uh I, I met a business coach called carl bryan on that uh, trip and what happened next uh changed uh, or has transformed the rest of my life because i decided a couple of months later to partner with his organization a leading north american organization that provides a uh, support infrastructure to help business coaches to help uh build successful uh coaching practices and for the last two years, I've spent uh, time building my own business up by helping Carl bring, by bringing coaches onto his platform. So uh, I want to back up to this uh, 42, 40 year plan that you have. What's important to you about living to 100 or 102? Well, I want to help permitting and uh, God willing, uh, there's no reason why I wouldn't want to uh, be on this planet for another 40 years. Um, but again, in order to do that, you have to look after yourself. And looking after yourself is not only about health and uh, staying fit and uh, keeping the body uh, toned and uh, in shape. It is also uh, as much about looking after uh, yourself from a work point of view, because as you get older, uh, you will uh, do want to do less and less. But I wanted to keep my mind active. And, and that was part of the reason why I didn't want to uh, to retire, uh, because I've worked with my mind, my brain, all my uh, working life. Uh, I didn't really want to uh, give that up. And I was a f in my uh, youth, I was a very, very keen chess player. And that the uh, relationship with chess and the chess board uh, uh, has given me uh, that desire to uh, continue with such a mindset for as long as I can. Uh, and I think if I can keep my, my, my brain active as I get older, uh, it will also uh, reduce uh, the chances of maybe uh, getting other uh, diseases uh, such as uh, dementia, etc. Exactly. Well, that's beautiful. I, I look forward to you being around for another 40 years. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's go back to the, this cruise. You're, you meet Carl Bryan. I meet Carl Bryan. What was, what was attracting you about what Carl was doing? 
Um, I, I guess I thought in, 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 in a way that I could actually start giving back some of my experience. Uh, I've been working for 49 years now this year. And what I have found in particular over the last two years is that I've actually got a lot of experience to give back to people. Uh, initially, uh, it has been with business coaches. Um, you know, we, we actually, um, provide uh, support infrastructure to help business coaches overcome uh, the three uh, main pain points. Uh, and the three main pain points are that they don't generate enough leads for themselves. They don't have a systematic process to close those leads into um, a high paying client. And even when they get clients, uh, they uh, often lose them quickly because they are unable to generate fast financial results for them. So Carl's Carl's.focus.com, uh, 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 now we help uh, business coaches uh, to build uh, successful uh, coaching practices. Um, so what we focus on is to take away those pain points. Our, our game-changing support software uh, will help them overcome uh, the inability to uh, produce uh, fast financial results for their clients. Uh, it will also, we can also using that software, teach them a systematic process that will allow them to convert in excess of 60% of the prospects that they get in front of. And that brings them down to uh, the lead uh, problem that most of them have. And that is uh, generating leads for their business. Now, with regards to leads, uh, we work very closely with them and help them select the uh, right lead generation strategies for them. And um, to generate those lead generation strategies that suit their personality. Uh, and we help them, uh, you know, uh, make sure that they can generate enough uh, leads for their business. Mm hmm. I love the LPW. This went, um, I w worked with Gerard for a short period of time, um, uh, in this system. I love the system. Uh, it just wasn't where I wanted to be. That's not where my gifts and talents lied, but I love what the LPW system offers both coaches and the clients that they work with. Can you talk a little bit about the assessment process um, that LPW uses to help business owners understand where they are in their business? Yeah, we've got we've got uh, business assessment software which was rolled out to our coaches uh, two years ago. This literally holds the hand of the coach uh, in terms of um, uh, assessing uh, and doing a financial and health check and audit on all businesses that they work with. The this assessment software will uh, illustrate uh, to the coach. Uh, what they can deliver to their client in terms of additional revenue, strategy by strategy, uh, based on uh, the percentage impact that the business owner perceives that by implementing that strategy fully uh, might have on uh, their business. So it really is really good because uh, the business uh, coach can uh, produce, it will produce a report for the business coach to play back to the client on how they can implement uh, these strategies uh, by coaching the business owner uh, to do it into their businesses. Yeah. And this is where that that system piece uh, really comes into play. At least that was my experience with uh, the software and the um, 
in the library that comes with it is that there is this beautiful assessment that walking through the prospect through the assessment. I remember doing some of these assessments and, and being with business owners and I'm asking them questions. A lot of it was around marketing. And a lot of times I would get feedback like, why not? I didn't even know I was supposed to be thinking about that. Right. And so this assessment, I think, gives business owners kind of that big 30,000 foot level. Here's what the business whole piece could look like together. And then we get to come down, narrow down into here are the gaps in your business right now. Definitely. But this software goes one step further in so far as it holds the hand of the coach, because for strategy by strategy, the coach um, will be able to see the firstly, the high level steps they need to undertake in order to deliver this strategy successfully. And then within the software, when they drill down behind these high level steps, they uh, will have the detail and the software leaves no stone unturned. The coach does not have to second guess what they have to do. They will literally understand everything that they have to do to successfully implement each strategy. So what that means for the coach is all of the, the, uh, all of the donkey work is done for them. Uh, they can actually, it frees their time up to be able to deliver greater value and a more customized approach to every business that they work with so that they can put their own stamp on things. Exactly. Customized. And again, I, I want to keep coming back to systematic. So it's, it's not like we're, you know, throwing spaghetti up on the wall and seeing what's falling off and what needs attention. We're systematically looking at the foundations of the business and building from there. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, uh, Business owners um, don't put the proper foundations in place when they start a business. They're very, very good at what they do, but they don't put the building blocks in place. And because of that, it's like building a house in sand. What happens? Two, three years down the road, it collapses. And and that's why 95% of all startups fail within five years, because they don't put the proper building blocks in place. And by that, I mean, you start with market dominating position. And you look at your messaging, your compelling messaging, um, and you you make sure that you do stand out from your competitors so that you're not competing on price, because that's where they all fall down. They all, all end up competing on price. But the, it's because their websites and their marketing material says exactly the same as uh, their competitors. So they give their buyers no opportunity but to select on price. Give me an example of what that might look like. When uh, when buyers are forced to really only uh, select on price, well, uh, for for example, uh, let's take the case of two restaurants, restaurant restaurant A, uh, and they each have a say a forty dollar meal, uh, restaurant your favorite meal, for example. So restaurant A offers you a ten percent or ten dollars off with a twenty twenty five percent discount. Yeah, so. If, you can have your meal for $30 there. But restaurant B, uh, instead of offering a, a discount, they give you a free bottle of wine worth $8 to them and uh, a free dessert, uh, which is worth only $1 to them. But it's to you, uh, the bottle of wine is on the menu as $25 and the dessert is on as $6. So for $40, you're getting an extra $31 of value. 
So which restaurant would you go and dine with? The one which offers you ten dollars off, or the one that offers you uh, thirty-one dollars uh, worth of uh, uh, additional value? It's a no-brainer to go to restaurant B. Right. And uh, you you will get a free bottle of wine and uh, and a, a free dessert. But the cost to the restaurant is only nine dollars, whereas restaurant A is reducing their price and taking ten dollars off their profits. Okay. Restaurant B. What happens with restaurant B is they only pay twenty five dollars. Uh, they 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 the twenty five dollar bottle of wine only costs them uh, eight dollars, and the six dollar dessert only costs them one dollar. So they're only spending nine dollars, but they're giving away thirty one dollars worth of value to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So. So in this example, we're, we are kind of coming down to, uh, well, this is value, is right? It's not just about price in this case. It's about value. Well, it's, uh, when Restaurant B implements that as a strategy, they are creating a market-dominating position. Okay. That is a unique selling point proposition. That is a market-dominating position when they actually roll that out into the restaurant. Can we talk a little bit about, I'm really curious about this market dominating position. I have to say in the first, before we go into this, is that whole idea of market domination feels very masculine to me. And I had, I actually had a prospect uh, say to me as I was doing one of these assessments with her, in fact, she got really pissed off at me and she's like, I don't want to dominate anything. And I think that was really the end of our call. Um and and I've thought about that since. Now, when I'm when I'm talking about it from the LPW perspective, when I hear market dominating position, what I'm what I hear is this is what sets me aside. This is what makes me special. This is what makes me different versus all of my competition. Yet when we hear about dominating, there's this um, underlining assumption or inference that somebody else has to lose. You could you you could stick to unique selling proposition. To be honest, with there you. we go. Okay, and that will pass as well. You could say that. I like to think that market dominating is a little bit more than that, but unique selling proposition is fine. The important thing is that you uh, stand aside from uh, your competitors, uh, and that you know, if you look, for example, let me give you a few examples. Lots of the when you're trawling through a website to buy something and you're trawling through competitor A, B, C, and D, and all of their messaging says the same things. It's all platitudes. We're the best at this. We're the best at that. We've been in business for 48 years. We've been in business for 100 years. Does that solve your problem? You're looking for somebody to solve your problem. And if they all say the same thing, how do you make that decision? If they all say the same thing, the businesses are forcing you to decide on price, on price alone. And if you take four businesses, you probably won't take the more expensive and you won't take the cheapest. You'll take the second cheapest one. That's, the, that's human nature. That's the way we work. So when we're do, talking about our unique selling um, proposition, it's really about how we are different. How then do we communicate how we're different? Because it does feel like I'm doing the same thing my competitors are doing out there so how do i make myself yeah yeah i think it's important on, on, with, with regards to your website it's important that you have uh, you give away value you give away information give away information for free and uh, capture the details as well and then follow up with them but lots of people uh are not 
only 1% of all buyers are in the buy now mode. Uh, and that's what uh, businesses forget when they're marketing. You know, 1% of all buyers are in the buy now mode. So most people, when they're uh, searching for uh, through websites or for app businesses, are looking for information about how they can solve a problem. So if you can help them with regard to providing free information to them, then you you capture their attention uh, and they will come back and invite them to come back and, and, and talk to you or connect with you. Um, and and that, that is one way with regards to your website, how you can have a website that uh, you can start building up uh, uh, details of the people who, uh, uh, the footfall on your website. You can start collating their, their contact details by offering them information. It could be a free report, it could be a free book, uh, it could be something for free that will help them uh, in their quest to uh, solve the problem that they've got. All right. So that's a lot on our lead generation, um, making ourselves unique, making us a standout and giving value, giving examples of how we help our clients solve the, their problems. So that takes care of one of those three challenges that you were talking about. Um, do you remember uh, a few minutes ago, you were talking about the three challenges, the the business owners? Co yeah. Yes. Yes. Coaches. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so this is one way then that your platform helps coaches stand out and then the coaches help their, their clients stand out. That's, I think that's one of the nice things about this whole process is that as your coaches, they're, they're living the system as they're also coaching the system to others. That's one of the messages I try to get across to the coaches I bring on board that the content that they have at their disposal to help them in their coaching, they really ought to and should be coaching it into their own business as they go along. Because I would classify the business coaches I've come across and the ones that I speak to, they all fit into the same category. And that is they're very good at what they do, but they're not good at building their own businesses. And that's where I try to differentiate myself from other LPW coaches because I focus, I'm not uh, a natural business coach. I've led teams of people to deliver uh, challenging situations uh, in business. Uh, and I'm very good at that. I'm very good at solving problems. Um, and I've learned a lot in the last two years. Uh, and I, I am now ready to coach small business owners as well. Uh, and I am looking into that now, um, but I think I will focus more on helping entrepreneurs and business coaches, or not just business coaches, all coaches, not just the coaches that I bring onto the LPW platform. Because what I'm finding is there's a gap in the market there for coaches. Coaches are just small business owners. They don't know how to build their own businesses. And I can help them uh, a lot uh, with regards to building their own businesses. One of the first things I do with coaches that I bring on board to our platform is uh, I align their goals and objectives with our vision. I ask them what their vision is, their long-term vision is, and what their goals and objectives are. And I seek to align their goals and objectives with their vision. And then I ask them also in the same breath, you know, tell me about your target market. What are you thinking? What's your target audience? Some of them haven't even thought about it. They think that they just want to coach everybody and anybody. But the more you can actually narrow it down, you don't have to niche down uh, totally, but the more you can narrow it down 
uh, your market and your audience and know what it is and even know what your ideal customer looks like, then the easier the first pain point of all coaches is to resolve, and that is lead generation. Because if you can narrow it down your focus, then you know exactly where to go to get in front of your target audience. It's common sense at the end of the day, and coaches don't see it. So, um, yeah. And the next thing I do with my coaches then is, you know, I get them to look at defining their service offering and their deliverables. And I help them to price them up accordingly because, you know, you can, there's different ways you can actually do it uh, with the service offering. You know, you could have a structured uh, service offering rather than just, uh, you know, uh, a single, a singular uh uh, service offering and then there's options then within that service offering you know, do you want to offer uh, just one-to-one coaching or would you like to do group coaching or even like a series of masterminds or workshops so there's a lot to think about in in terms of your service offering and then the other key uh thing i help coaches with now is uh, uh i've moved on since uh, you were with us mary because i've realized that coaches don't define their sales pipeline process and I've really realized this as a result of building up my own business. Um, I'm very, very much process driven. Uh, my systems implementation experience brought me into designing and uh, business processes for businesses, uh, not all only financial processes. And the sales process is so important. And it's very important that coaches understand the sales process in terms uh, you know, of the strategy that they're employing to generate leads for their business. Now, there's several strategies they could employ, but you've almost got to uh, define your pipeline process for each strategy. There will be tweaks. And, and the thing about the pipeline process is it's a movable train. It's like a circular train and there are four stops and there are only four stops uh, on that track. Uh, and those four stops are the first stop, which is your contacts. And the second stop is a stop call leads. The third stop uh, on, on this journey is prospects. And the fourth stop is clients. Now, you can only get off of one of those stops. But what coaches don't understand is unless you continuously bring contacts onto your track, onto your train, then your pipeline will dry up eventually. And and that's what we're uh, big mistake that I find coaches are making. They take a strategy and then they maybe say it's doing a joint venture with somebody who's got their clients, like a practicing accountant, for example. They got small business owner clients and getting in front of them. But they do it with one accountant. And then, you know, there's a, there's a period of time you've got to go through until you build up the trust and relationship with that person. And, um, and then when you do, and what if then they don't uh, come uh, on board and don't let you uh, give you access to their clients? Then you've got to start again. So lead generation has got to be a continuous, uh, a continuous cycle whereby you are talking to half dozen accountants, not one. You keep bringing on a new one or a new joint venture, par- joint venture partner on an ongoing basis. So you get them onto your, onto your lead sales pipeline track. Right. Right. Uh, and you bring them on a journey because what happens is some of them get off at the next stop. Some of them go from being a contact to a lead and then they go from a lead to being a prospect. That's when they're hot. That's when they uh, are in the you know, almost uh, by now. 
or they might stay on the track. They might go beyond the client stage and stay on your track because they don't want to say no to you. It's just they're not in the buy now mode, but they don't want to say no because they don't want to get off. Their journey is still with you. And those ones need to be almost fed uh, information on a regular basis. Like your magazine, Mary. Your magazine is fantastic. Uh, I read the first edition. It's just amazing. And coaches could do worse than to provide a newsletter, even, you know, a three to four page newsletter on a regular basis to keep these people on site would go a long way towards nurturing a, a longer term pipeline. But going back, what coaches are not doing is bringing on enough contacts. And, and that means then that the cycle, the pipeline will dry up eventually. Lead exactly. generation. Yeah. Lead generation has to be part and parcel of their everyday work. Right. To begin with, it has to be 50% or more. As you bring, get more, as you get clients, then you reduce it. Sure. Okay, I, I, I want to back up because I, I, I love this visual that you have of this train. And at the beginning, our goal is just to get people on our train. Um, get people who have the problem that we can help solve, put them on our train. And this is another thing that I really have taken away from my experience with LPW is that idea that we've got this problem or our prospects have this problem and there's they have a solution that they want. That's that add value piece. Like before a new LPW, I didn't quite know, like, what does it even mean to add value? What I learned from LPW is that adding value means that you give the prospect the information they need to make an informed decision. Because we all, this, these, this can be a very, um, high priced investment, right? Coaching can be a very high, ticket item. And if we're going to invest the time, the money, the energy into that, we want to be able to know that we're making the best decision possible. And I think that's where that value piece comes in to feed the people on our train, keep feeding them the information they need to get from the point of pain that they're on to the point of of benefit that they want to get to. Because the more you give them that, the more they see you as she has the, or he has the solution. I can, I, and, and I like too that you're talking about, well, pe- some people are just going to stay on your train because they just get something from you. Um, and eventually they're going to talk about you. They're going to maybe want to enroll with you at some point, but they see you as a person of value. Correct. Um, they can refer people to you. You can ask for a sales from them. Uh, you can get into a dialogue uh, with them uh, through, uh, the information that you uh, give to them on, on a regular basis. Uh, and even like, for example, in my business here, I've come across and I've spoken with uh, people who love the software, really love it, uh, and they go away and they just do not want to say no. They want to be reconnected with in two months, three months, even a year's time, Mary. I've got two people who want to be uh, reconnected with me next year. It's just that now is not their moment. It's not their time. But they loved what they saw and they saw value that they can actually deliver elsewhere. We're growth coaches. We help coaches grow uh, business, the revenues uh, of, of businesses. Um, and so if, if uh, you know, people, uh, people who come on board are people who are in that space, people who want to help businesses uh, grow the revenue streams. And if you can grow the revenue streams of businesses, you're taking away 
uh, three of their four pain points. I did a survey a few years ago of uh, 10 small businesses in six countries across three continents. And I was surprised at the, at the results that came back after I collated them. And I came across uh, three problems, four problems that kept recurring across three continents. Uh, the first one was uh, small businesses have working capital issues. Um, they don't uh, uh, have enough working capital. They perhaps are, in most cases, uh, paying their creditors before they collect their debtors. Um, the second problem that, uh, in order, order of priority, was uh, small businesses have a time management issue. The business owner is uh, doing everything. Uh, and can free themselves uh, from the business to give themselves the space to think through and plan. And that's where they need coaching. Those are the people that need coaching. And then the third pain point of small businesses was there was a perception that they needed more leads, more customers for the business. Mm -hmm. The reality I found when I scratched behind the surface was that, yes, Perhaps they do need leads. Everybody needs leads. Everybody needs new customers. However, what they weren't doing was going back to their existing customers and selling more. They weren't going back and asking their existing customers, how can I help you? You know, is there anything else I can do for you? And uh, it's cheaper to sell to an existing customer than it is to generate a new lead for your business. And that's what businesses were very bad in doing. And the last one was that in the few businesses that had staff, lo and behold, there was always a staffing issue lurking somewhere in the background. Uh, and that generally was they were perhaps not able to retain their staff. Uh, if it wasn't a problem that they couldn't handle, it was uh, that they perhaps were not paying enough uh, to retain quality people. And when you actually spin that dice back, the reason why, you know, uh, they were perhaps not being able to pay enough uh, to retain quality people is because they're not generating enough revenues. So, Mary, you could step in and go in and help them generate more revenues. Yes. That's what we do. Our software will help you generate the revenues for, uh, for the businesses that you're working with. Right. You know, and the the other thing, too, that just popped into my head as you're talking about building revenue is that the more revenue that we can create, especially as conscious entrepreneurs, right, because we're, we're in it to make the world a better place. We're not just in it to make a, a buck, but we do make dollars because the more dollars or, or whatever our currency is, right, um, the more money, more revenue that we make, the bigger impact that we can have. We can grow. We can grow our team and pay our team the the salaries that they deserve. Um, so revenue is not a dirty word. It it's it, it feeds our purpose. It feeds our mission. Revenue is a good thing, uh, and we can literally transform and the lives of the people that we work with. Uh, people need money to live to begin with, but the more a business earns, the more that they'll plow back into employing more people. And, and it's a cycle. Uh, they regenerate a lot of that revenue to uh, build and scale up their business. And that alone, uh, you know, will uh, stimulate uh, employment and, and everything else. The money comes back into the economy. You know, right. Most uh, economies are, uh, are kept going by small businesses. They are the lifeblood of uh, most uh, countries' economies. So we need to help them. They need our help. Some of them don't even know they need our help, but they need our help. 
especially in these uh, post-COVID times, not to mention uh, the inflationary uh, world that we now find ourselves in as a result of conflict uh, uh, across right, the globe. Right, right. Yeah, and, and who knows where all of that leads to, right? Going back to our point earlier, that as business owners, we have to stay flexible. We can't just get into a system and say that system worked and now it's going to work forever because we don't know what's going to come down. Who knew COVID was coming, right? Exactly. Uh, we we all had to pivot uh, with that. We've covered a lot of territory here, Gerard. Can you kind of sum up for us uh, what we've covered and and how you help coaches? Yeah, uh, I think I can help business coaches to on two fronts. I can help them together with my partners to grow successful six and even seven bigger businesses but certainly successful six-figure businesses. Uh, and more than that, I personally can help uh, my business coaches to uh, not only build up a, a client base, but also to, in their own businesses, to ensure that uh, they put the solid foundations in place themselves so that the business that they are building, their back office functions, will actually sustain them in the longer term. So I can impart all my knowledge and expertise to help them uh, fall uh, fell of uh, making the mistakes that most coaches make. And, and I can help all coaches and all entrepreneurs, it's not just the coaches that decide to come on board as growth coaches. Uh, you know. And those growth coaches, Murray, I'd just like to, to, to add to that. They, they all have their own autonomous business. We just provide a support infrastructure to help them. It's kind of like taking the independence out of being an independent coach. That's the way yeah. I would liken it. You know, we um, we 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 actually take away uh, the independence. Working on your own can be lonely, and if you exactly. got, don't have that support to lean on uh, on a week to week basis, by being able to talk to real people, by being able to ask questions with real people, uh, if you don't have that support infrastructure, then it can be very difficult and daunting at times. But our software ensures that our coaches never have to second guess what they have to do. It frees up their time. It's a done for you for the coach. It's not only one-to-one -one coaching. We've got done for you group coaching programs as well. And we also have, you know, a membership site that we give to them that they can monetize. So we look after the coaches that come on board onto a platform. And then in addition to that, you know, I see my business model expanding beyond this to be able to help all coaches, all entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs in their uh, back office functions. Lovely. And, and I, I want to just say, even I've had the chance to experience this. Um, again, the, the only reason I'm not there is because I, my focus, my passion is in leadership and that's outside of what LPW uh, talks about. But to be a business coach there, it's systematized, there's consistency, um, so it's not just, you know, you don't have to make up your own programs. Literally LPW gives you not only the, the assessments and the group coaching programs in the library, but it also comes with coaching and, um, not just in my case, it wasn't just Gerard. Um, I also had some sales coaching. There's multitudes of support within the organization and, um, I, I really uh, am grateful, Gerard, for our time together, what I've learned from you and, and continue to learn from you. And thank you for um, being that resource for 
business coaches, entrepreneurs, and uh, small business owners. Because as you say, this we are the lifeblood of uh, the economy. Yes, Mary, I totally agree 100%. And uh, I'd like to thank you for asking me on to uh, your show today. Um, I, I think I think small coaches in particular um, can actually build uh, successful practices uh, once they, they put their mind to it. Uh, it's like everything else. I firmly believe that one of the top secrets for success is to be passionate about what you do. And I'm fairly pleased for you, Mary, that you have actually found something that you're more passionate about doing. And uh, so well done. And uh, it was great when you were working with us. Uh, but, you know, it was clear that uh, growth coaching was not uh, your strength and uh, your passion and, and your passion. You found it now in, in what you were doing. And I, I, I think all coaches should uh, take note of that as well. Be passionate. If you're passionate about what you're doing, you'll succeed. Yeah. So, Gerard, where can our listeners uh, find you? Um, well, my website is gerardcarpenter.com. And um, you can reach out to me by email at gerard uh, at gerardcarpenter.com. That's gerard, G-E-R-A-R-D, uh, at com. Beautiful. And we'll have those uh, that link to your website in the show notes. Um, so once again, thank you so much for not just our, our time here today, but for being a part of my life and, and my business uh, experience as an entrepreneur. Um, I wouldn't be here today without you. Lovely. Thank you, Murray. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. We're not just a podcast. We're a community. So before you go, we invite you to join the Consciouspreneur Mastermind community. We are a powerful movement of high-achieving, impact-focused entrepreneurs who are leading the charge, making the world a better place through business. We offer a comprehensive suite of tools, techniques, support, and direction, all rolled up into a community-driven, inspirational launch pad. We will nudge you out of your comfort zone and into your genius zone so that you can lead your business with clarity and focus. If you're looking for a community of like-minded and like-spirited people who support your personal development and business growth, well, you found the right place. Plus, we have a lot of fun. After all, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Remember, we're all in this together. Check out the link in the details in the description below and help our community grow by liking, subscribing, and sharing the content. We look forward to having you join us next week. Until then.